Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Well, we've been in this series called Relationship Goals. Everybody say Relationship Goals. And uh, we kicked it off a couple of weeks ago. And we talked about friendship. And I hope that was adding value to all of us as we evaluate the friends that we have in our lives, how to be a friend. Uh, we talked about what we invest in others, loyalty and low maintenance and laughter and, of course, the, the love of God. And then last week, we had a message from singles Two singles. How many of you were here last week for that? Okay, I, I hope that was encouraging to you. Uh, of course, today being Father's Day, let me give you a heads up for how we're going to finish this series. Everybody say next week. Yes. This, this message contains a warning label. We're rating this PG-13 um, because next week we're going to talk about sex. Uh, we're going to talk about intimacy. And so parents, if you have children... If you have children that sit in with us on Sundays, uh, you might want to redirect that in some capacity uh, or have a conversation with them ahead of time. Please have that conversation so the first time they're hearing about it is not from Pastor Mike right here. I know some of you dads are like, man, this is amazing two weeks. I mean, today is all about me and next Sunday, man. Come on, praise God, praise God. If you have your Bibles... <laughs> Uh, I scrolled through about three things that I wanted to say, but wisdom kind of held it back. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 3. I want to talk to you about dad goals today. Dad goals. A little boy was asked to define Father's Day, and here was his definition of Father's Day. He said, well, it's just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend as much on the present. <laughs> but dad, we're going all out for you today. You know, I begin to think about my father um, and, and lessons that I learned from my dad. One of the, one of the first things I think about when, when I consider what my dad taught me, my dad taught me to walk through a crowd slowly. He said, son, walk through a crowd slowly because that's how you value people. And it used to frustrate me as a kid. My dad, we were one of the first ones at church and obviously one of the last ones to leave. And he just walked through church and just talked to everybody. And it drove me nuts. And now I am that dad. And I love to walk through the crowd and talk to people. Rachel hesitates sending me to Walmart because I go to Walmart. It takes me three hours to get three things. Come on, somebody. Just taking your time. My dad taught me that. Look people in the eye. Ask people how they're doing. Dial into them before you expect them to dial into you. Can I have a good amen? My dad taught me that. You know another thing my dad taught me? He taught me to sing the hymns. The old school hymns of the church. How many of you, you grew up singing some of the old school stuff? Yeah, turn in your hymnal to page number. I mean, my dad was that. We would sing the old school. And sometimes I find myself, I'm driving down the road, and I just sing an old school song. And my kids have never heard it before. They're like, Dad, what in the world is that? I'm like, listen, you need to know about the old rugged cross. Come on, can I have a better Amen. He, he taught me to appreciate where I came from. Listen, if we, don't, if we don't teach our kids to appreciate where we came from, then we can't trust them where we're going. Are you with me? My dad taught me that disobedience has consequences. 
How many of you, your daddy taught you the same thing? How many of you learned a fear of God through the fear of your father? Oh, yes, indeed. My dad taught school for over 30 years, and we literally had at our house a three-foot-long board. And it had a little red schoolhouse painted on it and words on top that said, the Board of Education. And there were many times when that Board of Education met my seat of learning. Come on, somebody. Yes, indeed. Mama, when she would spank us, she whipped us with a fly swatter. Anybody ever been beat with a fly swatter? And she would beat us. She would, excuse me, she would whip us. She would discipline us. How many of times have changed, haven't they? She would discipline us in a circle. She'd grab us by our arm, and then we would just, woo, 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 woo. And she pop, 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 pop. But you know, mama spankings never hurt, and she knew that. That's why she would threaten us, do you want me to tell your father when he gets home? How many of you, you had that threat, and you know that was for real? Yeah, they didn't have timeout back in my day. Whoever invented timeout was about 30 years late. Come on, somebody. Yeah, timeout was my daddy's belt. Um, my father taught me, don't expect something for nothing. Don't expect something for nothing. Everybody wants something, but few people want to give anything. And my dad said, listen, you're going to have to make an investment. I remember, I remember coming home from school one day because I, I, I had this revelation. I heard from my friends that they got what was called an allowance. How many of you got an allowance growing up? A few of you did. Oh, I'm so jealous of you. I thought, man, what a great concept. My friends are telling me, yeah, we get paid X amount of dollars every week. And, you know, either 50 cents a day or a dollar a day and every two weeks or whatever. So I'm like, Dad, listen, I got a great idea. I need an allowance. Here's, let me just explain to you how this works. How many have ever tried to explain some things to your parents? You got to educate that. I'm not sure if you realize. You need to get caught up with the times. But, but here's what an allowance is. And so my dad said, well, let me explain to you how I think it works. He says, that shirt that you're wearing, did you pay for that shirt? No, sir. He said, who paid for that shirt? I said, you did. He said, that bed that you slept on last night, that pillow, those covers, did you pay for that? Who paid for that? I said, well, you, you did. He said, okay, take a deep breath. What? Take a deep breath. That air conditioning that you're breathing right now. He said, I bought that shirt, that's my shirt. I bought that bed, that's my bed. I bought that air, that's my air. I'm going to allow you to wear my clothes. I'm going to allow you to sleep in my bed. I'm going to allow you to breathe my air. There's your allowance. (laughs) Dads, thank you for teaching us personal responsibility. Of all the lessons that my dad taught, perhaps the most important lesson that he taught me was he taught me about God. My my father taught me about faith. I would not be standing here today. I would not be who I am as a person, as an individual, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor. I would not be who I am today apart from my dad's investment in me. And he shaped me and my faith for all eternity. Now, there's an important statement that I want to give as we kind of move into this message, and I think it, it bears writing down. I want you to write this down somewhere. A man named A.W. Tozer, one of the great Christian thinkers and authors and philosophers, A.W. Tozer said it like this. He said, the most important thing about a person is what they think about when they think about God. 
Now, I want you to just let that marinate in your mind for a moment. There's a lot of important things about you. But according to this Christian philosopher, he said, perhaps the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. Let me ask you this. When I say God, what pictures come to your mind? What images do you have? If you were to define or explain who God is, what words would you use? How would you express to somebody? If we were to ask 100 people off the streets, just randomly, who God is, how many of you think we would probably get a lot of different answers? Well, the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. People have all different kinds of images of who God is. Some people think that God is abstract. He's just so abstract. He's some ambiguous, distant thing in space. Or he's some positive force or or karma. Uh, He's a mystery, and he likes it that way. Some people may describe God in terms of GPS. Where you just kind of plug in the coordinates or are you, hey, where's the closest Waffle House? And boom, there's your direction on how to get to Waffle House. And you're thinking, man, hash browns, scattered, smothered, covered, chunk, dice, top. Come on, somebody. God just, okay, now that I'm at Waffle House, Lord, thank you, but I have it from here. Or some people think of God as like some grandpa kind of God. He's old, he's nice, gentle, kind of hard of hearing. You know, a couple hearing aids, not really clued in as to what's happening in the, the crazy culture of today, kind of disconnected, but a, but a pleasant old man, that, that big man up in the sky. Some people see God in terms of keeping score. He's a scorekeeper. Uh, tallies, the, the, the credits and the debits, the good things that we do and the bad things that we do. And so we, if we see God as a scorekeeper, we could spend our lives trying to earn enough credits in order to make up for all the debits. Sometimes we think if we go to church on Sunday, we'll, we'll, we'll earn a credit to make up for the debit that we created last night. Scorekeeper God, he's he's always keeping score. Some people consider God as this doomsday kind of guy, this hell, fire, and damnation kind of guy. He's just, he's always disappointed in us, and he's eager to point out our mistakes. He, He has this giant red marker, and he puts a big F on the performance of our life because we just never seem to measure up. Some people have a stained glass approach to God, that, that, that God lives in the church, and he speaks King James English, these and thou's and wherefore art thou's and shh, we're quiet in church, no running in church. Some people see God as this politically correct kind of God. This combination of all good things, this non-abrasive, non-offensive, no absolutes, there are no boundaries, there's no definite truths, let's just don't hurt anybody's feelings. Let me tell you, there's a lot of different perspectives of who God is. Let me ask you this, which one is the right perspective? If the true thing is, the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God, what are you thinking about who God is? Because I've discovered this, that our perception of God will determine our direction. Your perception will determine your direction. There's a a dangerous thing because if we have the wrong picture of who God is, then we could possibly be spending our entire lives responding the wrong way. Can I have a good amen? Which one's the right way? How do we consider God? 
I'm going to tell you this. God wants us to know who he is. And throughout time and all of history, God has been revealing himself to us. In fact, God says this. I don't want you to be confused about who I am. So I'm going to make myself known to you. Enter Jesus Christ. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In fact, 165 times in the Gospels, Jesus refers to God as Father. Think about that. That's powerful. God being Father. We sang about that this morning. You're a good, good Father. And here on Father's Day, of all the pictures that God could give us, perhaps the most familiar, the most powerful, the most tender picture of God is being able to call him Father. Look what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. I love this verse. The Amplified Bible. We're reading out of the Amplified. Some people call that the woman's translation because it has more words. Um, just teasing. Just to, Come on, moms. We love you. But today's not your day. Um, 1 John 3, verse 1. The Bible says it this way. See what an incredible quality of love The father, somebody say father. See what an incredible quality of love the father has shown to us that we would be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God, exclamation point, and so we are, exclamation point. Does your Bible punctuate that the same way? When you read that in 1 John 3, he says, do you see it? The writer says, don't miss it. Do you see the incredible quality of love that the Father has shown to us? Listen, he's not just Father by title, but Father by demonstration. Why? Because he's showing incredible love. He calls us, he names us his children. And then he finishes the statement by giving that punctuation, exclamation part. And so we are, exclamation point. How many of you, when you send a text message and you're really excited about something and you want the person to really feel what you're feeling, you'll put an exclamation point at the end of it. How many of you put maybe two or three exclamation points? How many of you are really fired up? You'll just fill up that whole cell phone with exclamation point. I love that. I'm that kind of guy too. If I'm sending a text, I'll may, maybe write three or four sentences. And if I'm fired up about every one of them, I'll exclamation every single one. I want you to get it. And here the writer, it's, it's kind of like the same way. Oh, God loves us so much. Don't you see it? That, that the, the creator of the universe. I'm going to tell you, no other God does what our God does. And, and God doesn't want you to be confused about who he is or what he's doing. So he's revealed himself to us by sending us Jesus. And it says, look at this. You get to be called and named and counted as God's children. Can I have a good amen? Turn your David and say, that's good preaching right there. That you and I can be children of God. And that we can call him Father. Do you know in the Old Testament, there was such a reverence and a respect for who God was that they wouldn't even say his name? I mean, one of the names, the Hebrew names for God is Elohim. They wouldn't even say that completely. They would just say El. You know, but now we get to call God Father. Let me ask you this question. This is an important question. 
this whole message hinges on what I'm about to tell you. So please listen to this. If God primarily wants us to refer to him and to know him as father, what do you think the number one plan of the devil is for you? If God wants us to know him as heavenly father, what do you think the number one target of the enemy in the earth today is? I think it's dad's. And that's not to say that all of us don't carry some sort of target in a sense. But whenever God says, I want you to refer to me as father, here's why I believe the enemy attacks that. Because if the devil can destroy your picture of earthly dad, he'll shatter your image of heavenly dad. Come on, can I have a better amen? And that's why there's pain and brokenness and confusion. He's saying, if I can crush you when it comes to your father here on earth, if I can crush dads here on earth, then I'll destroy how people relate to God in heaven. Because sometimes for us to say, Lord, you're my heavenly father, that can be difficult for some people. You know, I mean, all of us in one way, shape, or form, we long to have the blessing of our earthly father. That's, that's how we were wired. You were created with a need to be affirmed by your natural earthly dad. And in fact, you know, Rachel and I, we saw this pattern. You know, the first 10 years of the church when we served as youth pastors, we saw a pattern develop. Every single kid in that youth group, they had a need, had a desire to be affirmed by dad. And you could recognize the kids who came from homes where they received that and also the kids where they didn't get that and they were desperate for it. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm not trying to be Dr. Phil, okay? I'm not diagnosing anybody and say, here, lie on this sofa and, well, you lost your job and you lost this relationship and you lost this and really it's all your dad's fault. Okay, I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. I saw girls who were hungry for the hug of their earthly dad. And when they never got it, a hundred hugs and a hundred guys later, the blessing that they were longing for never landed. And I saw the emptiness that that created in students. And here's the truth. Some of us have grown up now and we're adults ourselves, but the absence of what we needed from our earthly father has left a gaping hole inside of us. And some of us, even to this day, still carry that longing. Oh, I just wish I had a dad that would affirm me. In fact, in Genesis chapter 27, I was reminded of the story of the Old Testament blessing when, when Jacob and Esau, in fact, Jacob stole the blessing from his older brother Esau. And I don't have time to teach on that. You can read Genesis 27 and you can see, but I want to read one verse out of this. Because in the Old Testament, the father would bless the oldest son. And that blessing confirms something about the call of God on this young man's life. Esau was the older son and was supposed to have the blessing, but Jacob tricked his dad and stole that blessing away. And I want you to hear Esau's reaction when he realized what had been taken from him. Genesis 27, 34, the Bible says this, when Esau heard his father's words, he let out a a loud and bitter cry. And he said, oh, my father, what about me? Would you bless me too? He begged. I'll tell you what, that verse, I think, describes an entire generation that we're living in. 
Men and women that long, they beg for the blessing of an earthly death. Oh, my father, he said, and he cried out with a loud and bitter voice. What about me? Some of you are here today, and I know we're celebrating dads, but if we could x-ray your soul, maybe there's a part of you that says, oh, God, what about me? Don't forget about me. Surely you have a blessing for me, too. You see, the truth about you is, Every single one of us here, you long for a blessing from your earthly father. Now, I know that there are, there are different kinds of dads that are out there. In fact, I'll run through a quick list. And my father was this way. Number one, he was an empowering father. My dad, every single day of my life, he told me that he loved me. Every day. He said he believed in me. I want to tell you what, the power of spoken belief, as fathers, you have tremendous power that you leverage in your home. You, you really do. My dad, now, now don't, don't get me wrong, my dad was not a perfect dad, but he did his best. How many of you, you can say the same? My dad wasn't perfect, but he did his best. I mean, he's, the, he's still the kind of dad that'll go to the mall wearing a pair of shorts and dark socks and his work shoes. Come on, how many know the fashion police? He's guilty. Arrest that man. What is he doing? Who let him out like that? That's my dad. But, but he loved me, and every single day he reminded me of that. He had to tell me that. Even on days when maybe it wasn't cool, and, hey, Dad, I'm an athlete, man. You don't have to be getting all that mushy, gushy stuff to him. He told me he loved me. And you know what I realized later in life? It wasn't until I was a grown man that I realized my dad never once heard his father say that he, that he loved him. My dad never heard that, never received that, but he made sure that a day wouldn't go by that I didn't get it. Can I tell you this? Oh, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit right now helping some people. You may not be able to control what your ancestors did, but you can sure determine what's going to happen with your descendants. Come on, do you believe that? And for my dad, the cycle was broken. He said, listen, I didn't get it, but guess what? I'm going to make sure my son gets it. My dad wasn't there for me. I'm going to make sure I'm at every game that my son played. He did his very best. Though his father was not involved in his life, he said, I'm going to be involved in my son's life. I'm so grateful for men in this house today. Maybe you didn't have the best example of a father, but you're doing your very best for your children, and that cycle is broken. You can empower your kids. Can't control what happens happen to you, but you can control what happens through you. Who come on somebody. We have a church up in here today. And you know, my dad would come into our room at night. He'd come into my room and he'd kiss us, love us, pray for us every single night. And he'd come in. I've told you this before. He'd say, now son, listen, don't tell your sisters whatever you do. Shh, our secret of all three kids. You're my favorite. I love you. I love you the most. And I'm laying in bed thinking like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Yes. Okay, I got you, man. Yes. Shh. I know you love me. It's easy. I'm an easy choice. (laughs) I know I'm number one. High five. Just you and me. Okay. And then he'd leave my room, go down the hallway and talk to my sisters and say, now listen, don't tell your brother this. But of all the kids, you're my favorite. We heard dad do that. Somehow, each and every night, we went to bed, and in our hearts, we felt like we were number one. I'm going to tell you what. That's the love of a heavenly father for you. You know what's interesting? Now, as a father, guess what I'm doing with my kids? 
I go into their room. I go into Lex's room. Baby, listen, do you have any idea how much your daddy loves you? Man, tears coming down her cheeks. She's like, Daddy, I just love you too. It's like a Hallmark moment, you know? You just don't want it to, oh, yes. And I go into Michaela's room. Baby, do you have any idea how much your daddy loves you? She say, Daddy, your breath stinks. <laughs> kids are different. Come on, can I have a good amen? Loving our kids, valuing our kids. Hey, dads, listen, your advice is amazing, but I want to tell you this. Your example is always more powerful than your advice. Your kids will, they'll listen to your advice, but they'll follow your example. Come on, somebody say empowering. My dad was an empowering dad. I know, but there are some fathers out there, not every dad, not every home, not every situation is the same. Maybe some of you, you grew up with an abusive father. Maybe he was abusive verbally. Maybe things were said in anger and rage and words bounced off of the walls of your house and landed in your hearts and you heard these words growing up as a kid and as an adult. It's just as if he said them yesterday. You know, they say sticks and stones will never break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many know that's a lie? Maybe some of you, the abuse, it it wasn't verbal. Maybe it was emotional. It was just kind of You know, it it was awkward. You never knew where you stood with your father. You you didn't know whether to come or whether to go, whether to sit or whether to stand. It was always this guessing game, and the, the abuse was emotional. Maybe it was even physical. Maybe you were mishandled as a child. And you know what's interesting to me? In the times that we have dealt with kids that have been abused, it's strange, but the first response of a child is always, what's wrong with me? There must be something wrong with me. And maybe because of abuse at different levels, you have carried things for so long. And to refer to God as a father, maybe it's not pleasant for you. Maybe it's very difficult for you to translate that image of heavenly father because earthly dad, it's just been so painful and you've taken that pain and you've just suppressed it and you've stuffed it and you've pushed it down and you act like it's no big deal but when you're alone at night and you think about your life and you just you're drawn to that and it's it's dark and it's discouraging but God wants you to know my grace is sufficient for you and it goes all the way to the depths of that darkness. Let me tell you what, I've talked to people, and maybe, you know, you go to school and you, you, you study Sir Isaac Newton and the laws of motion. There are three laws of motion. The first one is this, that, that what goes up must come down. It's the law of gravity, right? Just as there are laws of motion, there are laws of emotion. And the first one is this, that what you push down will eventually come back up. And some of you have erupted in anger because you've stuffed away pain for so long. And then at moments, something triggers it. And then out of you comes the very thing that you've hated. You said you were treated that way as a kid. And you said, I'll never treat my kids that way. But you find yourself leaning toward what was happening in your world. Maybe some of you grew up in a home where your dad was absent. The absent father. He just wasn't around. He, he, he was just gone. Maybe he passed away uh, when you were very young and you never knew your dad. Maybe your parents went through a divorce and you stayed with your mom and you only saw dad every other weekend and two weeks out of the summer. Maybe your dad was just so involved in work and in pursuing that career. He was never a part of your life, never revealed his identity to you. And you feel this void, this emptiness, this gaping hole inside of you. He wasn't abusive. He was just absent. He was a no-show. And you hear stories of other people and their dads 
and you long for that and you wonder, God, why couldn't I have that experience? Maybe some of you, your father was passive, the passive dad, nice guy, but you know what, just wouldn't really step up and lead. You know, maybe he was always in his boxer shorts because mama wore the pants in the family. She was the one making all the decisions. She was strong, and you just wish you gathered strength from your dad. Maybe he was paralyzed as a leader. Maybe he didn't know how to lead. Maybe he never had a good example when he was a kid, so he doesn't know how to be a spiritual leader to you. And then there are some that your dad was all based on performance, the performance-based dad. He says, I'll give you the blessing that you're looking for, but here's what you have to do to get it. And you always felt like you were jumping through hoops. And if your grades could just be good enough, or if you just could, uh, athletically, if you could just be, make the varsity team, or, or if you just could land that job, making that kind of money, you've always made decisions, looking over your shoulder, saying, Dad, how am I doing? And it just felt like it was never enough. You're on this treadmill trying to earn the love of an earthly father. How good is good enough? And so it translates when you think about the heavenly father, when you think about heaven, you wonder how good is good enough. Will I stand before God and have to jump through another hoop? Maybe the blessing that you longed for from your earthly father, maybe it never came down your family tree. But Jesus says, I have another tree. There's another tree. The blessing that you want that maybe you never received It comes through another tree. It comes through the cross. And Jesus, the perfect expression of a heavenly father, laying down his life on Calvary, that tree contains all the blessing that your heart has ever longed for. Can I have a good amen? Amen. Look at what it says in Matthew 7. I need to wrap this up. Matthew 7, verse 9, Jesus is speaking on the side of of a mountain. Many people are gathered, and this is what he says. What man among you? Or in other words, wait, 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 hey. Dads, are there any dads out there? What what man among you, if his son asks him for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your father, somebody say father. How much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Exclamation point. Do you see that? In other words, Jesus is like, hey, are you any dads out there? Dads, dads, dads. Okay, people raising their hand. Okay, if your son is hungry and they ask for a piece of bread, Are you going to say, ah, I'm going to go to the backyard and dig up some gravel and there's some stones for you? No, what? Of course. What dad's going to do that? Oh, dad, I'm hungry. Can I have a piece of fish? Ah, there's a snake. Get you a little little viper. Bon appetit. No. Come on, dad. How many of you, if your kids come to you and say, dad, I'm hungry. What are you going to tell them? Go get your mother. (laughs) Let her make you a sandwich. Come on, somebody. (laughs) No, he's saying, hey. Of course, you would bend heaven and earth to make sure that everything your kids needed that they would have. Can I have a better amen? You do whatever it takes to supply needs for your 
children, if you then being evil, now he's not saying that dad, you're wicked. What he's saying is you have a sin nature. Sinning comes natural to you. Thank you, Adam and Eve. You're born into this whole race. You got off, started on the wrong foot. If you then being evil, being natural, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly father there it is that's who he is listen let's don't be confused about who god is today if you come to healing place church don't you dare walk out of this church building today and not know who he is he is a loving heavenly father now let's be quick to say this watch this watch this watch this God is not the reflection of your earthly dad. Ooh, drop the mic, walk away. Boom! God is not the reflection of your earthly dad. He's the perfection of your earthly dad. He is everything you ever wanted your dad to be and so much more. Come on, somebody say, bang! Bang! Steph Curry tonight dropping a three. Bang! Listen, I think we got to flip this whole thing around. We got to flip it around. Some of us, the devil has tried to mess us up. He's attacked our relationship with our dad to mess up our relationship with Heavenly Father because we look at God through the lens of our dad. Watch this. Oh, well, we got to flip the script. We got to change this whole thing up. Quit looking at at God through the lens of your dad. Start looking at your dad through the lens of God. If you'll restore this right here first, I'm telling you, God is everything you've ever wanted in your earthly dad and so much more. If God says it, he'll do it. I'm telling you, I know who God is because he's walked with me through the fire. He's held my hand through the flood. In moments when I didn't think I could make it, when nobody else was around me, when I didn't even know how to encourage myself, and I felt like everybody was gone, guess what? God was right there. That's who God is. He's a good father. Tell you what, he knows everything about you. Everything. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And for some of you, that's not a guess. He knows the number of tic-tacs you have in your purse. He knows the air pressure in your tires. He knows the balance in your checkbook. Come on, somebody. The God who knows you most loves you best. That's who God is. You know what? He's a good, good father. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org. Or give us a call at 225-753-2273.